Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare them from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go, bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on, her, on his hands and, and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went in to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to his Isaac father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him, and he said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. 
As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Well, thanks, Evan Elise. Uh, great job on a long passage. Um, yeah, my name is Nate. Good to be with you this morning. I haven't met you yet. Uh, we began last week a new sermon series uh, entitled The Gospel According to Jacob. And last week, we began to see, and we see it again today, that Jacob is a deeply broken person. And what's remarkable is when you think about the arc of Jacob's life, is at the very end, he is profoundly changed. And we said this last week, that that means there's hope for people like you and me. In the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our wanderings, in the midst of our questions. In one way or another, you might put it this way, if God can do that in the life of Jacob, then he could also do that in the life of you and me as well. And this morning, it all centers around one thing, one thing, blessing. In the account, just read, Jacob is at work doing whatever he can to get the blessing from his father. And even though, as this was read, there's a lot of parts that sounded strange to it, let me put it this way. You and I are no different than Jacob. In one way or another, each one of us is pursuing in a word outside of ourselves to bless us. We are in search of a word outside of ourselves to give us meaning, destiny, and identity. And this account shows us that the path to what we all desire in blessing is found in unlearning all the ways we wrongly pursue it, and in the end, learning how to receive that blessing as a gift. And so this morning, three headings, and just an important note, this is an adaptation, um, this outline is from, from Tim Keller. He had four, I have three, that means nothing, by the way, but there are three things, the power of blessing, the pursuit of blessing, and lastly, the unserved gift of blessing. So let's pray, and we'll get in. Father, I just pray this morning that um, the words of my mouth, uh, the meditations of our hearts collectively would be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the power of blessing. You know, the, in the opening of the passage, 
Isaac tells his oldest son to go hunt, to get some game, prepare a meal so that he can bless his oldest son before he dies. And we hear the word blessing, and it's a rather uh, poor understanding. Because when we hear the word blessing, you know, we kind of think something like this, you know, you'll do something nice to someone and then they'll say, oh, bless your heart, right? That's what we think. We have a very weak understanding of blessing. But the blessing of the father to the eldest son was much more than that. And we see that in a couple ways in this passage. One is, in verse 5, Rebecca overhears that Isaac is going to bless Esau, and she begins to do whatever she can so that her favorite son gets the blessing. This is more than just words. Um, we see it later on in the passage. After Jacob receives the blessing, Esau comes in, and Esau says, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, O my father. In other words, these are more than just words. If it was, if it was just words, just say another word. The blessing here was the most important blessing in that culture. It was when a father conferred on the son the blessing of the firstborn. And Brian Gregory, a friend of mine, a pastor, he, he puts it so well, he puts it this way. Those words actually carried and conferred on the son all the mojo of the father. That it would actually shape the son's destiny for good. And that's why it was so desired by a son because the Father's blessing, it was believed, had this mysterious and determining force to it, the powerful energy contained in it, that when it was placed upon a son, it would forever shape his sense of identity, it would forever set the direction of his life, it would even determine the future prospects of his family line. Now, we live in a different cultural moment, do we not? Um, not any of us, I think, have ever placed a blessing like that on our firstborn son. But that does not mean that we cannot relate to it. I said this at the top, whether we realize it or not, we're all in need of a word outside of ourselves to give us meaning, destiny, and a sense of purpose. And back then, and even in places today, in a traditional culture, the word from outside of yourself was given by a parent, by family, or oftentimes even by God, they would be the ones who would give you, in a sense, a word that would help define you. We live in a different cultural moment. We live in a moment in which our culture has rejected mostly traditional values of family or even of God being the ultimate validator. And instead, we've inserted the self. We look within we find what we most deeply feel, and then we say, that's who I am, and then we seek to validate ourselves. Now, there is a problem with this. Um, I'll, I'll share two reasons why. Uh, firstly, um, about, I don't know, two decades ago, you may remember, probably many of you do not, but Sarah and I Live had this Stuart Smalley character and um, he was this very awkward guy, but he would look in the mirror and he would say something like this. I think it was something like this. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And of course, if you know anything about Saturday Night Live, you know it's a satire, it's mocking. 
And in other words, it was trying to say this, you can't do that. You can't validate yourself. You can't bless yourself. Um, here's another one. Uh, Charles Taylor, he's a philosopher. He wrote a really thick book called The Secular Age, um, talking about modern self and identity. And he says this, he says, if you are the ultimate validator, we can't validate ourselves. And he, he makes this point. In other words, if you seek to do this, if you say, this is who I am, and I'm going to validate myself, we become incredibly fragile about our identity. We need constant affirmation. So here, Jacob is pursuing the blessing at all, count, uh, at all costs. He wants a word outside of himself. And we're no different. Do you see the power of the blessing? It, listen, it doesn't matter who you are this morning. It doesn't matter your religious creed. It doesn't matter your background. Don't you sense you need it? You need a word from outside yourself. Well, secondly, in this passage, we see the pursuit of blessing. You know, uh, Rebecca overhears that Isaac said to his son Esau, to go prepare a game. And so she gets Jacob and she begins to work on an elaborate plan to fool her husband into giving a blessing to her favorite son, Jacob. So she tells him to go and get two goats so that she can prepare the food just as her husband likes it. And Jacob responds with some concern. Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. And notice that Jacob is not concerned about lying. He's concerned about getting caught, right? He's not concerned about doing something potentially wrong or damaging to the family. He's concerned about the consequences that it might bring on himself. And so, his mother has more of a plan. He follows it to the T. He puts on Esau's garments in order to smell like him. He puts on the skin of young goats on his hands and on his neck to be able to feel like him because his brother is hairy. And he takes his meal that his mother prepared. He enters the tent. And we read that he comes in and says, my father, and Isaac says, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Isaac, whose eyes, the text says, have grown dim says this, he says, now sit up and eat my game that your soul may bless me. And Esau asks, how have you found it so quickly? Or excuse me, Isaac asks, how have you found it so quickly? And then Jacob goes to an even deeper level of lying. He takes God's name in vain. And he says, because the Lord your God granted me success. And Isaac Asked him at that point to come closer to see if he really is Esau or not. And at one point, it even says in the passage, the voice is, he says, the voice is Jacob's voice, but, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And in the end, all the lying, all the deception shows us, in one way or another, that the way we pursue blessing, and Keller puts this so well, the same way Jacob pursues blessing, the same way we do, and that is by simply doing this. We pretend to be someone else.
it might not be as overt. It might not be as, as more sophisticated. But this is what we do. Consider in our social media feeds, we put on pictures and posts that depict a persona, not of who essentially we are, but who we want others to think we are. And what is the outward voice of blessing? It's the likes. In the church, we can be very careful about how we present ourselves, making sure that even if we're struggling, we couch it in certain terms, religious language, so that we don't appear to be too needy or too dependent, that we have all of ourselves put together. Or how about this, in a culture of consumerism, we fall easy prey to the latest fashion or products that can present a polished veneer and accessories that show just how great we are. Or how about this? In a culture that values excellence and upward mobility and career, we can become eager to develop the educational and marketplace skills that provide validation, while at the same point, neglecting the deeper portion of our lives, the character, courage, honesty, faithfulness. In the end, one of the most striking scenes from this passage, right before Isaac blesses Jacob, is in verses 26 through 27. Look, look with that. Look at that with me for a moment. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. It's a, it's a very intimate scene. And think about it for a moment. Jacob is just about to receive the blessing. He's wanted. But the ironic part is that the person blessing him thinks it's someone else. Consider for a moment what Jacob would have longed for in that moment, to be known exactly who he was and to still receive the blessing, but that, of course, is the quandary. Because if Isaac knew who he really was, he wouldn't get the blessing. And of course, we in some way can feel the same way. We can think if someone really knew us, the outward blessing, the outward word would not be there. And so we're much like Isaac, much like Jacob. Well, lastly, the undeserved gift of blessing. You know, how, how do we get it? It's interesting in this passage to consider this question because when you consider how Jacob gets the blessing, it's actually really troubling. One of the things the narrator does, he goes out of his way to show just how troubling it is. Right after Jacob leaves, after receiving the blessing, Esau comes in, and his father says to him, who are you? And he answers, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. And then in verse 33, 
look at what happens. Then Isaac trembled very violently. Who was it then that hunted the game and brought it to me, and I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. And Esau responds in complete agony. He cries out with a bitter cry, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But of course he can't. Esau says, Is he, your brother, not rightly named Jacob, for he has cheated me these two times? And the passage closes with an anti-blessing. Jake, uh, excuse me, Isaac says to Esau, away from the fatness of the earth, that his descendants will actually be servants, subservient to Jacob and his descendants. And here's what you're left with. There's no way that Jacob deserves this blessing. And yet, it's his. It can't be taken away. And this, and this accentuates at least two things we need to see. First is this. When you consider this account in the larger part of Genesis, we talked about this last week, but Genesis 1 to 11 is in essence the, the great story of God creating the world out of nothing, speaking into existence, and putting humanity at the center, and then right away, things breaking down and sin entering, and everything being lost. And then, after that, it goes in this chaotic spiral just downward until at the end of chapter 11, you're wondering what is going to happen to this world. And then chapter 12 flips, and there's this promise that God gives to Abraham that through him and his descendants is going to be blessing to all nations. It is going to be, God is going to heal the world through one of his descendants. And here's what's remarkable is that this story in chapter 27 is that family. Do you realize how messed up this is? This is the family that's going to heal the world. Right? You have Isaac, who at the very beginning, his eyes, he can't see, and, and commentators know that he has spiritually lost his sensitivity. And so even though he knows the oracle that was promised that the younger would serve the older, that he should bless Jacob, he says, no, I want to bless my favorite son. I'm going to bless Esau. And then you have Rebecca. Rebecca, who even as she talks, she talks about it. She talks about her family like this. She says, your father and your brother. She won't even call Isaac or Esau who they are to her. Because everything in her life revolves around her son, her favorite son. Then, of course, you have Jacob, who goes along with it. He's only concerned about being caught. This is remarkable, because in the midst of all of this, this is what Genesis is showing us, that God is still at work in the midst of this family. And this is good news. Because in one way or another, we can identify and we can have hope that if God is able to work in the midst of this kind of a family, that potentially <clears throat> he could be at work in this kind of a family. But second, we need to look again at verse 33. Because Isaac says, this is the promise, 
about Jacob. Yes, and he shall be blessed. And, and in the blessing that Jacob, excuse me, Isaac gives to Jacob, at the very end, there's something that should be quite familiar. Look at the very last part of the blessing. He says this, Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Do you hear the repetition? This is the Abrahamic blessing. This means that the one who's going to come to heal the world is coming through Jacob's line, through Jacob. And here's what we see. The one who would ultimately heal and bless the world through Jacob's line is Jesus. He's the one who, like Rebekah, said, let your curse be upon me. Only he didn't say it flippantly. When Jesus said this, he actually was the one who bore the curse. When Jesus said those words, it meant this. Jesus, unlike Jacob, who takes the blessing and gives Esau the curse, Jesus, in Galatians 3, it says, he becomes a curse for us. So that in him we might be the, have the blessing of Abraham might come to us. And here's what's remarkable. All of this is done knowing exactly who you are and exactly who I am. One commentator put it this way. Jesus wore the shroud of death that we deserve so that we might lawfully be clothed in our elder brother's garments, the spotless robes of Christ's righteousness. Do you understand? You've got Jacob trying to put on his elder brother's clothes, dress up like him and fool his father. But we get to be robed in different clothing. He knows exactly who we are. And we're welcomed in him. And here's what this means. This blessing does not come to those who can clean themselves up and make themselves presentable. It comes to those who are incredibly lost, broken, sinful people like Jacob. And yet, as we see here, his grace is more than willing and more than sufficient to meet us right where we are. So let me ask you this morning, friends, do you have that blessing? Do you have the blessing that is a gift to be received in Christ? Not because of what you have done, but because of what another has done. Do you have that blessing? And brothers and sisters, if you have that blessing, know this. This is the only blessing that matters in life. you will not be able to garner enough likes on Instagram. There will not be enough accomplishments in your life, achievements, awards, to be sufficient. Now those awards and those likes, those are not necessarily bad things, but it will not suffice. And check this. When you fail, or when others let you down or ignore you or worse, curse you, even though that really does hurt. Do you understand if you have this blessing, 
the one from God, that can actually sustain you and it can heal you. Brian Gregory said it this way, it's just, can't improve upon it. He said this, those blessings and curses, they are not the great determiner of your life. They might feel that they are, but they aren't. The great determiner of your life is whether you have God's blessing. It is his blessing that is able to transform us at the very deepest levels of who we are. Let's pray. Father, would you help us this morning to grasp the gift of this blessing that we have through your son, Jesus. Lord, the, would you heal us? Would you transform us through your grace to be a people who at our deepest level know the forgiving, reconciling love of God in Christ that defines us and Lord, from that blessing, would you enable us to live with great confidence and with great humility? And we ask this in your name. Amen.